Sophowlin Dogs um, is the lifestyle athlete also known as the Grilled Halloumi these days. And uh, we've got Jody back from Gerardsbergen. Loaded probably the car up with uh, special Belgian beers, did you? No, I didn't, mate. I should have, shouldn't I? But um, yeah, that was uh, definitely a, a big error on my part because it was so much cheaper out there for it. It's like literally a quarter of the price, I reckon, in the supermarkets for what they charge us over here. Slick, slick. So how was the week? I'm actually going on the uh, non-alcohol free beer now because uh, it seems like it's working for Sam Long. So I'm thinking it maybe it'll work for me. Um, it might be working for him. <laughs> yeah, might be working for nah. him. Yeah, 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 it wouldn't. Be, it would not be worth it, would it? It wouldn't be worth it, would it? No, it wouldn't be worth it. I don't think if I uh, if I would go onto the alcoholic free uh, beers that I would be uh, coming a uh, free time in a row, seventy point free champion. I think so. I'd rather just have a smoothie instead of a non alcohol free beer. Chocolate smoothie, anything. three liters of it a day. Yeah, anything tastes better and it's uh, <laughs> and it tastes better and it's better for you, isn't it? You know, <laughs> chocolate milkshakes. Um, alrighty, but how was the week? Highs, lows. It was good, mate. Good, good mate. Uh, I've got a few uh, highs and lows. One that I actually forgot to tell you, first of all, was last week. Was I was out on my TT bike, um, going for a little spin pre-race, and uh, I bloody punctured, uh, literally near my mate's house, probably about a mile away, something like that. It was about six, seven miles into the ride. Uh, I took the wheel off, tried to, it was on a tubeless rim. I had an inner tube in it like it was a clincher tyre. And I literally tried to get a tyre, uh, to get an inner tube in it. And I just couldn't get the tyre back on the wheel again. Literally impossible. Like, have, do you have that? Have you had that problem with tubeless tyres? Um, no, but I know that you're a really shitty mechanic. Uh, mechanic so, yeah, but that's um, literally nothing to do with mechanics. Just strength, mate, trying to get it on. Yeah, I'll but f- there is a trick how you can get the uh, the tyres easier on. What's the trick? Um, I can show you one time in just, real life. Just tell me quickly. Um, well, Sum it up when you put quickly. the tire around the rim, <clears throat> then sometimes not every, so that the new bit, what you've put around it, um, needs to be in the middle of yeah, the rim. Yeah, I did that. Like in the the middle. middle, middle. Yeah, I did that. I did that. Like, yeah, uh, I still, I've put a tubeless tire with uh, two fingers on yesterday. Must've been an easy one. With a friend of mine. This is. All right, but go ahead. Yeah. So I had to ring him. He was on his way back. And I broke my inner tube, broke my tire levers as well. Two tire levers snapped like uh trying to put it on i'm stuck there he's on the way back from a race uh so he's like half an hour away so i literally had no choice laura taken the car she'd gone to her mum and dad so i was meant to be meeting him there for a barbecue at the end of the ride so i'm like literally fucking stuck sat by the side of the road had to wait 30 or 40 minutes for him to get back then he helped me put it on like uh he had some better tire levers managed to get it on but it was horrendous absolutely impossible to get that bloody thing on like like, Did you wait at a cafe or something? No, I was just on the main road. <laughs> sat, I sat in a grass layby, mate. Just sat there. I had a couple of cars stop by and say, "You all right?" But if it's if it wasn't only a mile away, why didn't you walk there? Because he wasn't at his house. He was on the way back from a race. But wasn't it Mrs. His Mrs.'s house or or some neighbours? What walked like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes? A mile isn't twenty five minutes. Yeah. In, how, how long do you think it would take? It's like what, nearly two k's. So in four some, minute mileing. um yeah so that so that was uh that was a bit of a low i also had one from the race as well i was going along in the middle of the race and uh my garmin fell off new garmin 965 went on a fast part of the course 
what would you do? You saw, I saw it go. That I'm like in the zone. I'm like going quite fast, and I'm like yeah, doing it. And I thought, oh shit, you know, I'll have to try and get that at the end. Hopefully, like someone will hand it in. Um, long story short, no one handed it in. It was on the road apparently because one of the other pros said they saw it and told a race official to see if they could go back and get it. I don't know if they did go back and get it or not. But is it a watch or a bike computer? It was a watch. How did sorry? How did you lose a watch? It just came off my arm while I was riding along. I don't know how it came off. Riding or running? Riding, like cycling. And the flume just literally fell off, like just came off randomly while I was going along. All right. Oh, that's annoying. I know. I like that one as well. Uh, no one handed it in. So some random who did the race has probably got a new 965. Like, have you got a uh, insurance, travel insurance? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I've, yeah, I will have travel insurance, yeah. If you bought the watch, this uh, right. I didn't uh, actually the... bite the buy the watch. I got it from Garmin, but still, it's still a shame to. Oh uh, yeah, it's that's still a shame, shame to lose it. To, yeah. to lose it. We're we're both, by the way, um, non-sponsored devices athletes. No, I've got um, I, I got a load given from Garmin, mate. Yeah, wasn't it a year ago or something? No, it was like two months ago. Two months? Yeah, got a load of new computers, yeah. watches, and everything. But it's non-sponsored, right? Well, it's just like, we'll send it over and we hope he uses it and features it on social media. Uh, kind of sponsored. Sponsored, but semi. <laughs> what does kind of sponsored mean? Do you get money from it or not? Is it is it like... It's not a great deal, but it's a load of... Uh, you get some nice watches and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, basically. But what's the deal? Don't worry about what my deal is, mate. Like, don't worry. <laughs> but is it? Do you need? To, you, you don't need to put a name on your kid and everything. Oh right? no, no, nothing like that. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry, mate. <laughs> I do worry. You always undersell yourself. When you're out there in the field That's all me, alone, mate. Unders- I'd like a free watch. Overworked. <laughs> yeah, uh, mate. Uh, 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 uh. That's it's a tough life. It's a tough life. Undersold, um, overworked, right. overtired. So you uh, you uh, lost the watch, yeah. Lost the watch. Well, I would say uh, send this pity voice memo over to your sponsor, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you get mate, a new one. I don't, I, I don't know, mate. It was a crap deal. I might only get one watch. <laughs> poor, poor fellas like me always go out in the fields and uh, and and look after a race if we can find something. You probably wait. You probably recce, go round in a car after people have rode a course, don't you? Yeah. And see what watches have come off, and like that's a, exactly pick a few up. You got some nice new can... Garmin computers. You've got watches. You got like come away from a race with like four <laughs> devices. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you also need to use their bike computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like their bike computer. To be fair. But you always liked Wahoo. I did like Wahoo, yeah. I like the Wahoo for the maps. Yeah, for the maps is a kind of like I mean every every whenever someone asks what's the best run run watch, what's the best bike computer, I don't, nowadays everything is alright, isn't it? Yeah, but I would definitely like I wrote say for the loads Garmin, of years with Garmin. The Garmin watches years, are yeah. definitely better than the Wahoo one, aren't they? Um The watch. I must say I so I've got a Wahoo watch, a Garmin watch, and a Polar watch. And um I'd say maybe the Garmin is the most user-friendly, but that maybe is also because I've been using that watch for years. Um, I would say the Polar one is, uh, the one I've got is it's the Polar Grid. That's like a beast. I think that's a beast. It's comparable with the Garmin uh, 945. I think that's a really nice watch, fast GPS. And I like the Polar 
um, app where you can uh, analyze the run in. What? And it gives you like cool suggestions and everything. I really like their their app. What watch says that I run the um, furthest when I go for a run, just so I can make my Strava look a bit better? Um, I don't know. That's the watch that uh, Richard Murray had, right? That's a Polar. Oh, right. He had a Polar. Yeah, that's Because he I did that, that what, what, what did he do? He did that flipping dodgy run during the Corona. Was sub what was that again? Like 13 minute 5K. You don't believe that, do you? Um, I'm dubious, dubious. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see, I, I would like to see it done on a, on a track, um, 12 and a half laps for a 5k or a, a 25 lap one. And, uh, if he runs a low 28 or whatever it is on a track or a 13, the low 13, whatever he did on uh, the road and he did that on the track, then I would be a believer, but I'm very, very dubious, um, as to the reliability of it, put it that way. Because the thing was on the... When it started off on the distance thing, it says like you go through your first 400 meters in sub 60 seconds, which, you know, it was like 50, I think it was on one of them. It was either a mile off the bike in like 404, which if you could do a mile off the bike in 404, surely you could pace make Jakob Britson for his two mile world record attempt, can't you, for the first mile, you know, he only went through yeah. the mile four seconds quicker. And obviously you haven't done a bike ride beforehand with efforts in, you know, who knows, maybe yeah. you could even break the two mile world record yourself. Um, but it, I think in that one, it was like 55 seconds or something through the first 400, which is like world record mile pace. That's 340 per mile. You know, um, um, like that to me seems too quick. Like, <laughs> it's a bit too quick. It like, he's not a world record runner. He's a fast runner. He's a very fast runner, but I doubt it. <laughs> We're um, going to get some hate mail now, mate. No, it's just it's just our own observations, analyze of his run, observations of his run. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, everyone was running world records during Corona. The tracks weren't shot. I, I did my five k on a one k loop. Some some people were doing A to B runs. I Fuck did A to B runs. Oh yeah, that's because you can pick the tailwind. I did my five k on the track, and I still got a load of abuse on my YouTube video. Someone saying, "No way, he ran that fast. He's way too muscular." That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell him? But I'm the big dog. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, watches. Watches is always a thing. But I, I'd say nowadays everything is like all right, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying this. Everything is all right. No, it's not. Not it's not really true. But every watches can also be pretty shit because I was running with my Garmin watch doing intervals two weeks ago, and it was. Um, under the trees, four by a mile, literally no signal whatsoever. Like it was saying seven minute, um, seven minute per kilometer, five minute per kilometer. That was saying three minute ten. It was just doing a whole lot of shite. And I'm thinking we're sending rockets to the moon, and we're thinking about supercomputers and artificial intelligence. Yet my Garmin watch, which costs five hundred euros, can't even tell me what pace I'm running. And I'm thinking for that for that amount of money, you can buy a cell phone or a laptop that can do a whole bunch of stuff. And this thing can't even put, tell me my run pace. Sometimes it's better to not know the pace, mate. Just like you say, exactly. listen to the beat of your heart. I feel, <laughs> listen to the beat of your heart, yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. I was just thinking like, well, <laughs> why just doesn't it work? Uh, anyway, um, any other lows? Um, not really, no. I haven't really got any other lows. Um, have I got any highs? Not really. Coming third at Jared's Bergen. Yeah, that was pretty solid to get on the uh, 
on the podium for me. Like first time in a long while over that distance. Um, and there's still a lot of things that I can improve on, but I'll go on to that next uh, next because uh, I've got some stories from that. What about you? All right. I've got one low. Um, so as everyone knows, we are in a heat wave. We are in a heat wave. The weather has been so extremely boiling hot. Yes, we always like to complain. But the Netherlands has been the hottest in uh, the whole of Europe, Joe. Has it actually? I, th- I think I read it somewhere. But anyway, it's been boiling, boiling hot. And um, there are a couple of things that would um, come with warm weather. A, a is um, if I would want to run with my wide body and my uh, high sweat rate and my tolerance for heat, I would just wouldn't survive. So I need to go out either very late in the evening, a.k.a. Nighthawk. I saw a Nighthawk you did the other day. It was yes, ridiculously late. Yeah, <laughs> it was like past 12 or 11. Yeah. Um, or I would have to do a really, really early morning run. And early morning runs always scar me, mate. But I, I, I forgot about how bad it was. Anyway, I've set the alarm at 8 a.m. And I hear people thinking, <laughs> yeah, that's not really <laughs> early. Like in comparison to the late night one, the late night one's like 10 p.m. So I'd have thought the equivalent of going for a run at that time would have been like five o'clock or 4.30 or something. Like, Well, at first, at first I'd set the alarm at like 7 a.m. But due to the heat, I slept so bad that I was thinking I'll, I can use another hour. So was, how bad can it be going out at 8 a.m. for a run? Well, it was already 27, 28 degrees. Went to the toilet before I went for a run twice, but I uh, I was awake for maybe like <laughs> that's nerves minutes. because you knew you were going out early, so you were like nervous. Oh, well, well, I hope my legs. Feel well, good. it wasn't nerves. <laughs> it was. I wanted to be sure that that whole whole that everything's gone. Everything is gone because I know if I go for an early morning run, something always knocks on my door. Anyway, I went out. First six Ks, my biomechanics, just my whole body just doesn't really work when running. I'm running five minute K pace, feel like I'm running three minute 10. I'm not going anywhere. Do you have that? The biomechanics are just really shit AM. My legs feel heavy in the morning. Like it takes a while to get warmed up. Like I don't, the whole, like everything feels so stiff. <laughs> like I'm an old man. <laughs> Wait till you hit 30, mate. All right, yeah, that's in like a month or so, one and a half months. Um, then all of a sudden, something knocked on my door. Still had to run home three and a half Ks. I was sweaty from from the run. I was sweaty from trying to hold it in. I was thinking I'm never ever doing an early or morning run again. Just not doing it. What did you do? Like then, did you manage to hold it in or did you have to stop I somewhere? managed to hold it in, but it's just... Um, the feeling of having completed the run doesn't weigh up to all the trouble what you have along the way. I had a horrible experience once with needing the loo. Absolutely scarred me. It wasn't even in the morning. Like I was out for a run <laughs> in the evening. Luckily it was in the winter, so it was dark early. And I'm running, I'm doing. A, I'm only doing like 10K, something like that. And I get to the point and like it comes on pretty quick. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> oh, I've only got like two miles to get home. So about three, probably about three and a half K, 4K something like that, so similar to you. And I think, oh, I can do that. And it gets to the point, and I stopped. And I'm like, there's no way I can make it home. Physically, no way. Like, <laughs> if I try and make it home, I know I'm going to shit myself. The roads are all really busy. I have to run into the town, city centre. So I'm like, I stopped, and I think, and I'm sweating now. I'm absolutely pouring, thinking, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I can't shit myself. Like, I've got shorts on. It's going to be so flipping embarrassing. 
and I had to go into a bush. And there's literally like, luckily it was pit, it was night. There's houses to the left. There's a flipping main road to the right. I just had to wait until nothing was coming. I had to quickly go. I would have been like, people would have seen me. But what choice did I have? It was literally take your chances in this hedge, hope that no one sees you, or you are going to shit yourself if you try and make it home. Like there was no way I could have physically done it. I was like literally walking. I thought I was going to have to walk it, but I couldn't even walk it. I got to the point I'm flipping like sweating I'm thinking oh god like this is gonna be so embarrassing if anyone catches me what the, what do I do like luckily I hey, don't just, think just, anyone saw me if you get caught you just say I'm sorry I've got a fetish for wild pooping yeah yeah it's me it's I, luckly I went for it's, it and I got away well I think I did no one said anything or I didn't hear anything well, but I had the horrible I had the exact same thing um when we were doing the run in Malaga over the mountain the 37 or 40k run over a mountain oh yeah I remember we were running through woods and everything for hours and hours. And at some point I felt I had to go to the loo, but I thought like, it's only 15 Ks to go. Of course you can hold it in for another 15 K. Uh, but as soon as we hit the city center, I heard that, that awful noise that. Oh yeah. That's and <laughs> I knew I was, I wasn't going to make it. I had to hold a pole and stand still. And then at the busiest roundabout over there, I, I went into a bush as well. Yeah. Sometimes Joe, that's what comes with the. That's why Ironman training is so hard. <laughs> it's got all these elements. All these elements: the nutrition, the gut problems. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was my low, and um, yeah, the um, yeah, that's it really. Oh, I, I, really, I don't know. I just want to bring back um, one of our little competitions that we had going last year. I got sent this by someone from. Uh, on Instagram, the Morton Move competition. Someone, man, our record previously in the full distance. Basically, for anyone that doesn't know, the Morton Move competition is Ironman races are expensive, aren't they? They cost a fortune now. So a good way how you can snag some of your money back from a race entry. It could be that you're having a bad race and you think, screw it, like this is damage limitation now. Even if I walk a little bit, I'm not going to lose that much time. Or you might be having a good race, but still want to still want to get some money back. How many Morton gels can you manage to get? The record I think we got from a full distance was about 30-something, weren't it? 32, 33, which someone managed to get. They stock up. I think this guy came specially prepared for it, didn't he? Did he have a bag or did he have something to put him in? Backpack. Yeah, I think he had a backpack, like a camelback, and he just started chucking like gels in from aid stations. managed to get 30-something. I got sent someone who did a half, and he managed to get 16 the other day, which is what he finished the race with. Can anyone beat this? We need to see a picture and us tagged in it. If you can beat it, that is the more and move competition. How many can you get? How much can you collect, take back off your race? Are you, are you being sponsored by Morton? No, no, I'm not sponsored by Morton. I just want to uh, see what people can get. And uh, I find it funny, to be honest, uh, seeing how many gels people end up getting from the race. Have you got a nutrition sponsor? Yeah, fast food. All right. Not your McDonald's, mate. <laughs> natural energy stuff have you tried it have you tried it no do you want to try it never heard of it it's gut friendly mate you won't be needing to poo in bushes anymore and it will help your morning runs <laughs> alright <laughs> I, I, I don't really have to poo from all the sports nutrition I never have well knock on wood that's because your body processes carbs so efficiently doesn't it that they just they, they, so they, efficient. They, they don't, they, the only it uses them all up in pure physical it's movement. also because i 
I, I do the odd training sessions a week where I uh, practice race nutrition. <laughs> 150 grams an hour. 150 grams an hour for an easy hour run. You take five yeah. gels. <laughs> a load of bullshit. Um, I want to quickly uh, talk about something of last weekend before we go to Jared's Bergen. I was looking at um, the race at altitude, Ironman 70.3 Boulder. And we had Sam Long and Taylor Nip absolutely spanking the field. Which, first of all, which performance did you find more impressive? Taylor Nip winning by eight minutes or Sam Long by, what was it, five? Five. I, uh, personally, I would probably say the Sam Long one because I think the field was probably a bit stronger. Um, and I think his overall performance was better. I know Taylor had a, would have a better swim than what he did equivalent. I think the bikes were pretty similar. I mean, what did he bike? Like 151 or 152, something like that, you know? Um, and apparently Sam Long, you mean? Yeah, and apparently it's an accurate yeah, course. Yeah, 153. 153 on an accurate course. I mean, that's like 47 k's an hour, isn't it? That, you Almost know, 48 k's an hour. Yeah, and then he ran a 111 at altitude on trails, whereas Taylor ran a 122, was it? Something like that, which I think a 111 run for a male is a lot better than a 122 run for a female. I um so going about the speed, 47 k's an hour, do you think that's impressive? Yeah, and I think running at 111 <laughs> on trails at altitude off the bike is the, the most The run was also bit. accurate. Run was also yeah. accurate. Yeah, the run was also accurate. So running a 111 at altitude, a mile up, like you know what it's like at Font Rameau. That is higher than what it is at the lake. The lake's 1,550, so it's another 100 metres higher than the lake. So not quite as high as where we were staying, but in between the lake and where we were staying to run a 111, you know, that's 325k pace basically, isn't it? On trails at that elevation, off a 47k an hour bike ride. That's fucking good. 40, was 48. it 48k's an hour? 47.7. 47.7. Fucking hell. That's, yeah, that's that's an impressive path performance. I think that is, <laughs> yeah. like at altitude, you know, at altitude as well. So if you're, you're talking the equivalent run probably at sea level would have been 69 off that bike. Obviously, the bike speeds are quicker at altitude because the air's thinner. That's why people go, you know, when they do the hour world record and all that, they go there. So, but the run is going to be hindered by that. You know, the run yeah. is definitely, I think that's a very impressive performance. But still, um, going 48 k's an hour at altitude is fucking moving. Yeah, I think that was, and to beat Lionel by five minutes, you know, in a 7.3. doesn't it? Yeah, that, that says, says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but also Taylor Nip, uh, yeah. Some you know, the downside to Sam is I don't think we're going to see him in the PTO races because he's expecting his first child literally the same time as the American one. And then obviously Singapore's two weeks after. So I don't know if we'll see him in the American one because of that, which would be such a shame because with that form that yeah. he's in, I think he could do very, really well. I think he could win it. I mean, he nearly won Dallas last year. I mean, if you take Colin out of it, it would have been, he probably could have won that. Yeah, I think so too. This, um, yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's, he's the man on form, the man on form. What do you think about the, I saw some statements last week about people saying um, fields in America are weak. I think they're definitely weaker than Europe, 100%. Like Strength and, uh, strength and depth. 100% they're weaker than Europe, but that is still a very good performance, isn't it? It's That's why it's hard to gauge how well exactly you do, because if you haven't, you haven't got loads of people like you would have in Europe racing it, but then 
if you think about them numbers and them speeds, you're still riding 48 k's an hour and then you're running a 111 hey, hour. Three hours and 33 minutes yeah. over a half is 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 ridiculous. Yeah, fast. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think potentially that could be anyone on their day. You know, to beat that, you would have to have, whoever you are, a very good day. You couldn't beat that unless you're on an awesome day. Because, I mean, if you lose two minutes behind him on a run, who's going to run a 1.9 off a far, off a bike that's kept you in contention at that elevation? But anyway, even if they ran a 108, that was that would have been at sea level. And third, yeah, third even at in sea row. level. Even, even at sea level. Even at sea level. Third in a row. Um, all right, Jelens Gerardsbergen, you did a sneaky half last weekend in uh, in Belgium. Uh, you were going there together with uh, Father Christmas team. Um, you were all feeling fit. Take us away. So do you want to hear a little bit of uh, the whole story of the whole weekend and stuff? You don't want to hear just the race, do you? Um, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't make it like a 25-minute uh, no, presentation. No, I won't make it too long, but I'll go into uh, The journey went pretty smooth, to, to be honest. Bits. Yeah, there's not much to say about that. But then going into – so I'll start from the race on the way back. So we did – doing the race, um, my swim wasn't that good. Like it was the, – the boy was about 120 metres, I reckon, 130 metres out. And normally if the boy's like 50 meters uh, or 60 meters, like in Arizona, I can get a really good start. So I've got quite a good sprint. So in Arizona, I was like third into the first boy. And then I was in like perfect position, end up making a front pack. Whereas this one, I kind of doubted myself. I was like, oh, it looks a bit too far for me to sprint to it. Because I reckon I'll be like, you know, too anaerobic. Like I'll just blow up afterwards and lose time. So I didn't go as hard as what I probably should have. And then going into the boy, it went so flipping slow because of all the traffic that I was like, or I could have done breaststroke, you know, like sculled water for a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh no, once we come out of this boy, the elastic effect is going to stretch it so much that I'm going to be doomed. Because obviously the faster swimmers are going to go into that boy and they're going to be keeping on the gas coming out, aren't they? And for yeah. about five seconds, I wasn't literally moving. I was just stuck because I couldn't swim because we were all stuck behind each other. And it was like a uh, like people blocking it. You know, we all had to go so slow. So What's the mess start with amateurs as well? No, or? no, it was just with uh, pros, oh. but it was uh, strange how it was like so congested on there. But I guess a lot of us hit the boy in a very close proximity. So once we came out, the boy, it stretched out, ended up in a pack, like a pack of about four or five. And the group that I would have hoped to have been in, that I've swum with some of the swimmers before, ended up getting out the water about 90 seconds to one minute 40 ahead. And that was where I should have oh. really been. Um, yeah. But so that kind of left me on the back foot. I mean, I was swimming really easy in that group. And you know, when you're in the group and you're swimming quite easy, you've, you've fucked it basically, don't you? Because you are, yeah. you ideally want to be swimming pretty hard, but on the feet. So, you know, you're kind of maximizing it. But anyway, yeah. it is what it is. That was what happened in the swim. Uh, then got out on the bike and you'll laugh at this, but within about two or three K, mate, I took a wrong turn. Again, Again, I missed a turn. And do you want to know what, what I can blame on this? I actually put the route on my Garmin. But do you know, I got the route. Do you know how I, I got the route from Andrew Horsfall Turner that raced it last year? So I downloaded his GPX file of the route, put it on my Garmin. And I don't know what the fuck he did when he did the route. But my Garmin was going mental. It was telling me, off course, turn around, right turn, left turn, off course. And I'm thinking fuck's going on like i used it for like the main part of the course but on the way out his gpx file is screwed so if you ever do challenge gerard's bergen do not download andy horsfall turner's gpx file of it because it was a nightmare but you did a course recce as well a couple of days before yeah but i didn't recce the bit from the let from the transition mate to the road 
and I had it on my Garmin and it was out of sync with where I actually was, the right turn was. So I went past the right turn. Was the Garmin it, again out of sync because that's what I had under the trees? Did it lose connection? No, it didn't lose con connection. It was just a shite GPX file that I had on there. That exactly. Was like, that was it the GPX file? Was it the GPX... GPS signal. No, was it? Uh, I think it was the GPX file, mate, because it was telling me to do like U turns and All stuff right. on. Of course, I could like at different points late when I was when I was going long. So that was annoying. That like, that cost me about forty seconds, forty five seconds on that because I could see from when I look back at the results afterwards. You know, like where what I, if you would have been following the errors on the road, an error or uh... well, I didn't see an arrow there. Like I don't know, there, there might have been one or there might not, but there was oh. there, there wasn't. I didn't see anyone. Yeah, I mean, there might have been there might have been signs out or not. I don't know. Like when you're in the zone, you're in the zone, aren't you? Anyway, whatever yeah. happens, I lost yeah. a lot of time there, so that was annoying. Um, and then the rest of the ride went pretty smooth. I actually felt pretty good, like I was catching people, and I ended up getting moving myself up to third place before the second time up the muir. Um, yeah, but going up the muir, I was totally overgeared for it. I did have I had a sixty. 33 is my lowest gear. I tried to put a 56 on for the race and we couldn't get it to work because of the bolts. It was wrong bolts. So I did order one from Drag to Zero, but it didn't come in time. So I ended up having a 60. I could have put a two by set up, but I was like, I can't be asked to mess around putting a two by set up for this race and then completely taking it off again before Challenge Roth. Like it's just too much messing around. I thought I'd get up the, the Muir and it wouldn't be too bad. It would just be a bit of a grind. But I looked on my training peaks afterwards and what do you think my cadence was down to on the steepest bit 28 no not quite that low 35 <laughs> <laughs> it was like, 30, 30. Yeah, it was like yeah. 35 but the problem was Fuck. you can't get out the saddle because of the flipping cobbles and like that so you're bouncing all out so you're having to try and force yourself to sit down but i just couldn't produce the power at that cadence so my power was shit so it wasn't like you'd think, oh, you're working really hard going up. It was like your power was crap. So I lost like 40 seconds every time going up the muir because I just couldn't put the power out. I just physically had too big a gear. It was like I was there. Uh, I actually thought the second time going up it, I thought I might end up having to walk up it. I thought, flipping heck, I'm not going to have to walk up this flipping thing, am I? Um, luckily, I didn't manage to because that would have been humiliating. Um, so that was a bit that annoying. Is, that is a steeper, steeper bat boy. Yeah, and I thought I'd be able to grind it up at about 50, something like that, and be okay. It would just be a bit shit, but it, I just couldn't put the power out. But it's probably, so I lost time on that, which was a bit annoying. Anyway, the bike was pretty good because I didn't feel like I was pushing it that hard, but I was riding through the field because it was so hot. I didn't want to kill myself on the bike and then do a crap run. I just wanted to do a pretty solid race. You know, I wanted to run well at least and uh, not mm -hmm. get to the end of the bike being like totally cooked and then die on the run and running terrible um so got off the bike in the end with fifth and sixth place like third and fourth were, ju uh, were just ahead in the end because they dropped they caught me up on the muir and put time into me so i think they started to run about 30 30 to 40 seconds ahead um yeah. i actually felt really yeah. good starting the run i don't know what pace it was because i lost my garmin didn't i you know flipping came off on the run so it was just totally blind but i felt pretty good felt like i was moving well anyway the guy who i started the run with we ran together for about the first 1500 meters 2k and then he was running pretty fast, so I kind of let him go because I was like, I just, I'm not going to be able to sustain this like in this heat. Um, and then caught third, caught the people that were third and fourth. At this point, they weren't because that guy caught them just before me. So I was in fourth place at this point. And then after about 5K, caught the guy that led off the bike, Ruben Zapunked, and then I was in third. Um, and then basically stayed like that. I did take another wrong turn on the run as well, mate. Um, 
Oh yeah, my god! I know. Uh, I didn't. I, well, actually, I know I didn't take the wrong turn. I took the right turn, but I I didn't trust myself. So first lap towards the end, I'm coming up to it. I'm 36 seconds behind the guys in front of me. This is about at this point we're 12 k's into the run, and he started coming back to me. He was up to about a minute, and then he started coming back. Oh no, he's pretty up to about 45 seconds. He started coming back, and I got a split 36 seconds. So I'm thinking, God, this could be pretty close. Um, and coming up to that roundabout. I saw the sign saying the muir straight on. So I'm thinking, do I go straight on or do I go to the right? I'm like, I think it's to the right, but I'm not sure. So I went to the right, but then I couldn't see him. And I'm like, oh no, did he go Did he go straight on at there? So I went over the railing because it was like one of them railings what you have on the side of the road. And yeah. I like ran back up the hill a little bit towards there, had a little look, couldn't see anything. Then run back down. Then I saw some people. I said to them, where did they go? Where did they go? And in the end, like, I got their attention and they said that way, that way. So I went straight on and then like carried on. I don't know how much time I lost there, but it was flipping annoying because that by that point, my second place was over with and I was actually a bit worried that I was going to get caught from behind because I had no idea where the person was. Obviously, on the second lap, I did see the sign and there was a little sign there, but it was so small, you know, one of them little small ones and it was up high. And when you're in the zone, I think you just, you don't, you're not necessarily 100% sure because you're just, you're concentrating on your running. You think there'd be a marshal there or mm-hmm. something. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then, uh, and then, like, yeah, I could see it on the second lap. And obviously on the second lap, you can see all the age groupers that are going there. So it was pretty obvious on all the right. second lap. Well, what you're saying is, is you would have actually won the race if no, you knew what the course no, was. No, there was no way I would have won it. And I don't even know if it would have caught me second. Because even if, <laughs> what I, about, even if I hadn't what about gone the- wrong on the bike and I had caught them earlier, I would have needed to drop that guy on the bike. Like, even mm-hmm. if I'd have rode a bit quicker it wouldn't have made any difference position wise unless I managed to drop the guy who got second place. Because if I went a bit yeah. quicker, but he stayed with me and started the run together, it wouldn't have made any let me, difference. Um, let me do a quick uh, other analysis. So the guy that won the race, I raced him the week before. He did also a half. He won yeah. that one as well. He's a Menno Kohas. He's a, he's a quick guy, mate. He's, he's a front pack swimmer. He's an all right cyclist. He needs to work on that, but he's, he's definitely not weak. And then he's a flipping fast runner. But anyway, you were three and a half minutes down on the swim, but you didn't have your best swim, but that was what it was. The week before, I was three and a half minutes down. So imagine this. You and me, Challenge Gerards Bergen, we're coming out of the water together. I'm clever, so I wouldn't have ridden off course. You were following my wheel, so that would have saved us another 40 seconds. We were taking turns on the front. We would have biked probably faster than Ruben Sepung to them because we were riding together. Coming off the bike... Um, maybe I would have outrun you, maybe not, but this could have been my podium, right? In a 70.3. Well, why didn't you Easy. do it? I bloody tried to get you to do it, but you, like, <laughs> I've asked around. you loads of around. times to try and do the race, and, uh, <laughs> and now, you're, now, you're, now you're getting FOMO because you didn't do it. Like, I, I, the amount of messages I sent you, you trying would, to get you to do that race. You would never hear me say anything like, oh, I could have podiumed in that race if I look at the results. Because I tried to get him there. to do that race, guys, for weeks beforehand, yeah. sending him messages, I know. sorted him free accommodation and everything. But to be honest, I am about my form, my current form, I am going to um, to do some. Uh, 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 I'm gonna let my blood run and everything because I, I don't understand. I'm still having so many off days where I feel super duper tired. I think there's something. Uh, I've got a little funny story as well from the way back. So when we're driving I back, just, I was just telling uh, I might not be feeling very healthy, Joe. Oh, <laughs> sorry. All right, sorry, sorry. 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 <laughs> we'll go back. We'll go into that in a bit. We're going to, but I'm gonna forget this story, and I, that's why I had to say okay. it because I'm gonna forget. But. Um, 
Well, on the way back, so instead, normally you'd sometimes you'd like get the ferry from Calais to Dover and vice versa and all that. But we got it from Dunkirk because it was closer to where, where the race was. So Techno and uh, Phil, the pensioners are on tour. They're taking the van. Um, they leave a bit before us. And on the way there, Phil was following me. So on the way back, we put the put the directions in his sat-nav. He's got the, or he put the directions in his sat-nav, should I say. It's a Dunkirk ferry. And we said, we'll meet you there. Because I was stopping in Gerardsbergen to get some chocolates, mate. For Laura, wanted to get into good books, didn't I? So we quickly stopped there mm-hmm. and thought we'll try and uh, catch them up a bit or put our foot down and we can get we can make a bit of time up and hopefully not be too far behind them getting there. So anyway, when it says 12 miles to go, I ring Mark up, old techno, and say, where are you? He says, oh, we're 12 miles away. I said, oh, you're 12 miles away, are you? I said, it says I'm 12 miles away. Like, where? what junction are you coming up to? And he says a junction that's like further up further ahead and I said mate you must be 12 kilometers it must be in kilometers on yours because uh you're further ahead than us he says all right yeah maybe it's kilometers then anyway ring him up a bit later I say uh are you at the desk yet like this is as I'm coming up to Dunkirk ferry terminal he says yeah we're now coming into we're now do, going through the first check and all that he says all right see you in a bit then we're not far behind you're only a few minutes behind so we'll see you once we get through so we go through like all the passport controls, the check-in, everything, and then you line up and it's all in like number order where you park your car to, to drive onto the ferry. So we park up, we have a look around to try and see where the pensioners are. Can't see them, not there, not parked up. So I'm thinking, where the hell are they? Have they gone to another one? Like, have they been parked up somewhere else? Or like, what's taking them so long? So we bring them back. He says, oh, we're still at the check-in bit. We haven't gone through yet. I said, oh, are you still at the check-in bit? Like, we would have seen you. Uh I said, are you sure you're not in Calais and you've gone to Calais back? said, no, we're not in Calais. We're in Dunkirk. It's all right. We'll, we'll see you in a bit. I said, that was strange. I thought we'd have seen you, but like uh, maybe there's more checking bits or something, I think. So anyway, I ring him back up again. I, I ring him. I, I, no, actually, I stand on the phone. I said, are you sure you're not in Calais? You must be. They've got it on loudspeaker. And I heard Phil say to the checking desk, where are we? And the guy goes, <laughs> the guy goes, is that a serious question? <laughs> you don't know where you are. He goes, no, no. <laughs> and uh, we go, you're in Calais. And he goes, uh, and I'm like, you're in Calais. I'm like, for fuck's sake, like you've gone to the wrong one, mate. And they're like, no, we haven't. Have we? And I'm like, yeah, you're meant to be in Dunkirk. But, but do you think because they're pensioners, they don't write with sat-nav, but they write with something like an old map? Yeah, well... Nor- <laughs> a World War map, like a World War II map. The- really long old, uh, old yeah. map. The guy at the desk must have thought they had dementia oh, Phil, or something. Oh, don't go to Dunkirk. Don't go to Dunkirk. Let's go to Calais. Yeah, yeah no, it turns out that uh, the, the person at the check-in desk must have thought they had dementia or something. You know, Two old boys ended up, not, not knowing where they are, end up at a ferry terminal. Turns out, though, he absolutely rolled me because our ferry had longer to go. His left 20 minutes earlier, so we, or 20 minutes later, so we were like, who's going to get in first? And they end up getting mm-hmm. to Norwich just ahead. So I don't know if they kind of screwed me over a bit by telling me that they'll uh, end up in Dunkirk and then end up going to Calais. Luckily, we had a flexible ticket, so you could go to either. But it was just coincidence that they accepted that because, you know, if it was a normal book and you'd have been totally screwed, they'd have been like, you've got to go yeah. to Dunkirk, you're at the wrong one. That's wow. 30k is back the wrong They probably way. thought something like, Eisenhower said, go to Calais, go to Calais, not in Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, it's stuck in their mind from the fake pensioners and um, was anyway they uh, smashed on race day so we quickly head over to um, Instagram post of the week yeah what yeah the bullshit, oh, what about your illness what about your illness what you were saying about 
Um, I'm just going to do uh, some testing because I've been doing some fair bit of training. I just don't understand why I'm so often so unfit, like literally that I can't really ride at Rome, 200 watts or whatever. Rome wasn't built in so, a day, mate. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah, but still, um, the numbers are odd some days. Uh, anyway, um, Bullshit Buster? Yeah, the Bullshit Buster. You had a couple of really good ones for this. What one are you going to hit us with first? So my bullshit buster is, um, we're only going to do one. We're going to okay. save the other ones for uh, for next week. Please do the so one that I'm thinking. Please do the one. Yeah, it's um, changing the Garmin distance to look fast. Now, this is something old men do to make them look like bit dogs. Because nowadays, um, the young generation just loads it up on Strava. And that's where you share, where you share the real uh, data. But what this guy does is, so for example, he did a, well, it's not for example, this is what he did. He did a 170K ride. But if you then go to Garmin, you can edit the ride and you can change the distance to 200K. So that's what he did. Then he made a screenshot. He loaded it up and he said something like, uh, and he's a coach. So he does this to uh, to like uh, make him look really fit. So then he said, first big ride of the year, um, made lots of improvements or I can feel the improvements, 226 watts. And then the file will say 38 or 39 Ks an hour because the, the time will stay the same, but you just change the distance. But then when you go to laps, so if you just click on his file, you will go to laps. You can see that he actually wrote 34 Ks an hour. So it's flipping pathetic. It's a big bullshit buster. That is really big, pathetic, big. massively pathetic because you're just completely deceiving people. But you know, you can actually do that on Strava. You know, you said that people, the young people won't. You can actually get this thing, uh, virtual EPO, they called it. Like it was a program and you could like change how much quicker you want to do. And it would even put you up in the segments. It literally changes everything by a certain percentage, like ups your like power, ups to, uh, knocks your time down and everything. So everything looks legit on Strava. So people can actually even be doing it on that. Really? Yeah. Virtual EPO. Was Colin Chartier that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Was he also on the virtual EPO? <laughs> you do it on your race file and it says that you've got the fastest bike split by three minutes, but the race result says otherwise. Would you would you say a lot of um a lot of uh, um would you say a lot of Swifters are on virtual EPO? Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Have you found it? Um no. All right, let's go over to uh, the Instagram post of the week. You had one, didn't you? I had one, yeah. And people that have um, been listening to, oh, it's digital EPO. Digital EPO it was. I just saw it on there. So that's what it's called if you Google it. Oh, but right. the Instagram post of the week that I had was um, a guy who was pushing the pram or a stroller, whatever you call it. And he broke mm-hmm. the half marathon world record. Loads of people have sent this to me saying, you've got competition, you've got competition. I was actually going for the marathon one. But this guy is an absolute flipping machine. Like he did a low 108 pushing a stroller for a half marathon, um, which I think is bloody impressive because you can only do it running. What is more impressive? Running a low 108 with a stroller at sea level or running a 111 at altitude off the bike? I'd say probably the 108 with the stroller. Yeah. What would you say? I don't know. A, what I don't know. Yeah, a one hundred eight though is fucking going for it, pushing a stroller as well, <laughs> one handed. Basically, you can only run one handed. You've got to take corners. You see this guy railing some corners with it, but I just hope that this fucker doesn't do the marathon with it because I've got a feeling he could put that marathon record down quite a bit, and I reckon it would be 
maybe out of touch because if you can run a 108 for a half marathon with a stroller, you could do a solid marathon. I mean, what could he do with a marathon with a stroller? Do you reckon like 223, something like that? Yeah, something like that. That's, you wanted to do 230. Yeah, I want to do 230, 223. If he does that, you know, he's. I just hope he waits until after me. I'll have to find out what one he's doing and quickly get an entry in before. <laughs> <laughs> Can you wait until next year before you step up to the marathon with that stroller? Yeah, exactly. Wait for the Amsterdam Marathon. First one. I Maybe his one kid will get too big by the time uh, the, the winter comes hopefully, and he can't fit hopefully. in the stroller. Hopefully his kid grows. <laughs> hopefully yeah yeah we, uh, uh, we're gonna appeal it anyway like that's not a baby anymore that's a that's, that's a, a grown up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a toddler doesn't count <laughs> would make it even more impressive yeah um that's the yeah he is flipping moving um yes we'll post it up on the instagram the bullshit buster as well as the instagram post of the week um if you want to support the show making this all possible that jody and i um sitting here in the heat recording and want to give the boys a little support and head over to our Patreon page, uh, link in the bio. You might get uh, we'll some occasional content if you sign up to the patrons. We we could give, Joe, I was thinking, I was listening to another podcast. It's like a Dutch podcast, which is mainly about bullshit. It's just three guys in their mid twenties. Um, talk about like, uh, only about going out and meeting, uh, uh like just, uh, um, wild stories wild wild stories and that's what their podcast is all about but they've got like it's the best listened podcast in the netherlands um and they share all their dodgy content on a uh, private instagram group or a private patreon group that's what we could do but then with the uh stick it on only fans mate you'll could, make more just no it's not it's more like we could expose some of our data or some of our wild thoughts what we don't share in the podcast i just put it on my only fans like it's been really popular so far. I know. Like I know. you, you were one of my first subscribers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <Dream> on, <baby. laughs> I'll uh, see you next week. See ya. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.